Everyone's got opinions when it comes to leadership, and let's be honest, how many experts do we all know? But where can we find real leadership advice that's not BS? Well, look no further. Welcome to No BS Leadership, where on each episode, we attempt to expose the gap between what leaders think they should be doing and what actually works without the BS. Listen in as we irritate some, inform others, and challenge all leaders to discover a better path to the leadership excellence we all want. And so the bartender turns to the duck and he says, wow, you do smell foul. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Oh, oh, hey, we're back. Uh, oh, oh, and we're back. Leadership oh, BS podcast. We're here ready to dispense some of our wisdom, some of our stories, and a little tiny bit of humor once in a while. I'm Dr. Stan, but that's not important. What's important is I've got four people here who are totally awesome. And we're going to start with the bearded wonder, Geoff. Would you please introduce yourself? Hello, everybody. Jeff Geoff McLaughlin with Professionals of Play, here to help you have a wonderful day. I rhymed and I didn't even know it. Dang it. Oh, that was <laughs> so good. You are so good. Dang. And of course, we wouldn't be here without Myra. Myra, how are you doing? I am just ducky today to go with your little metaphor. <laughs> Not foul at all. Not right. foul at all. Nope. I'm just ducky. That's awesome. You don't have to say birds of a feather, am I right? So, Jeff Meyer, good to see you, my friend. How you doing? Hey, Dr. Sam and everybody. I'm doing great. Jeff Geyer with Phoenix Coaching. I always look forward to doing these podcast ep episodes. Uh, and this one started out as no exception. You never know what we're going to hear, but there's always going to be <laughs> something good. Uh, and I'm hoping we get to it at some point today. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, at some point we'll get there. But thinking of the theme of something good, let's have a little more good. Jeff Conroy. Please say hey to the people. Hey to the people. I am so glad to be here. <laughs> and it's great to see you guys. We got to do this way more or less. <laughs> way more or less. Talk more to the thing with times two plus. Yeah. That's another episode. Right. That's a totally different that episode. And Geoff right now is doing the arithmetic. He's got formulas going. He's got a whiteboard up right next to him. He'll get this figured out. We'll do more of less. It'll be up in the chat. So what we're going to talk about today is this idea of disruption. And it's a phrase that we've heard throughout the pandemic, which has been going on for about, I'm checking my calendar here, 16 years now. And people say they want to get back to normal. And that sounds nice. Yes. Wouldn't it be nice if we could get back to the way things were? Yeah. I talked to my friend, Marty McFly, and the DeLorean isn't working any longer. So without a time machine, we're not going back to the way it was. We're only mm -hmm. going to be able to go forward, but it's some other capacity. So the idea of getting back to normal, or my estimation, is people having the emotional response to change that this sucks. It was fine before. Mm -hmm. Now there's a problem. I want to get back to normal, i.e. I want to be comfortable again. And if we don't give full consideration to what that means, if people want to get back to normal, we won't hear the problem that they're actually having. So to that point, I want to turn to Myra and Jeff Geyer and ask you if you would please tell your story about a time when you or your organization had an outside force or a leadership force that said, we're changing, things are happening. And of course, we have the pandemic we can point to, but if you have other experiences, that'd be valued as well. And the change 
affected people. So how did people respond initially? And what was the immediate response? And then what was the next step? That once you have this big response, now what? And I'll let you guys thumb wrestle who wants to go first, but if you could speak to that, I'd appreciate it. I threw in the towel, go, Mike. I've had an experience once, and thank you very much, Jeff. An experience once that was very upsetting to my team, as it should have been. We, we were in a smaller office and the owner of the office called us all together on a Thursday morning, which was not that unusual. He would show up every once in a while, take us out to lunch. But this time it was not a fun conversation. As we were talking, they, he had somebody out there taking down our signs, taking all the identification off the front of the building. And we learned that day this office was closing. We had to find another place to go. And the response was anger. My team was very angry and they had the right to be. This was, it was not his fault, but, but he had known about it a little bit earlier and he just figured this was, the, and that was his choice. He was the leader, but what we had to go through the scrambling to find another place to go immediately was very upsetting to everybody involved. Turned out to be a much better situation. To get there was like swimming upstream. It was not because of the, the change, but because of their attitude to the change. Now, this is something that you've, you have zero control over. You can't, all the screaming and the hollering and the cussing behind his back and the blame and all that kind of stuff wasn't going to change the situation. And it, it just, there is no changing sometimes, most of the time that kind of disruption. So the important thing that I had to do as their leader was keep focused on what can I do? What can I do? And obviously if I wasn't going to try to run a team off of a street corner someplace, which is not our profession. <laughs> it's it's different vocation altogether. It was college and experimental. <laughs> Although many professions today could be com comparably compared. Yes, correct. So I, what I could do was find a place to move us to. And I did. In 24 hours, we were moved to a new office suite. It wasn't our first choice of a place to be, but it was much bigger, less expensive, and we all had our own office in there. Oh, wow. I had some, two of the team members never did get over it. So they lived in that. And consequently, they later just left. But that was one of the things that they, it was just one of a long list of grievances, but they couldn't let go of it. In my relatively long life, I have learned that when you can't do anything about it, let it be. Don't go visit there anymore. Just do what you can with what you have to work with. Mm -hmm. So looking back like with those books, you couldn't quite let go. Is there anything, and I'm asking this not from a, you should have kind of one of you, but how to help our listeners. Looking back, is there something you could have done differently to help them get to that point? Or was it something where they were so far gone, there was no pulling back? Had there not been a list of other grievances within the team, not necessarily toward the owner, but there was some part in it. I think there might've been a better chance, but I, what I was unable to do is to get them out of victim mode. They, we had been victimized. Absolutely. We'd been victimized, but they stayed in the blame. We shouldn't have to go through this. Now I got to get new cards and all, well, you can't change that. 
You can't change that. So how can we make lemons out of lemonade to use a very old phrase? We didn't have to drive as far. We had a lot of positives and it was a fundamental change. There was not going to be a new normal. There wasn't going to be. And I think that's what they couldn't accept. That, that, right. that it didn't matter where we moved to, it was not going to be normal. So nothing would have. And so to beat that, they had to make a complete break and go find something else because it just constantly mm-hmm. it was just grounded on them. So Geyer, how about you, my friend? What kind of story can you share with the, our listeners? Well, it doesn't, thank you, Sam. It doesn't really have to do with businesses. It has to do with mindset. When stuff happens, it's not so much what happened to you. It's how you react to it. So it's about mindset. So my story is real quick that my wife and I had three kids. The youngest was about three or four years old, as I recall. And we found out we were going to have twins. Now, I, I understand what caused that issue. I know how it happened. I don't necessarily know why twins, but I know how it happened. That's a different episode. Right, different episode. <laughs> and and the the point there is the mindset is we're going to have twins. It it is what it is. And so mm-hmm. now what are we going to do? And the mindset is starts with we can't let them die, and we have to take care of them. And we understand we're going to adjust a lot of things, seemingly all the things in our life, and we're going to move forward. And now those twins are twenty two years old and productive members of society as our other children are. And it's all about mindset. And so when things happen to you that you don't expect, like that story that Myra just related, or that somebody didn't communicate with you when you think you should have been communicated with, and there's a laundry list is long of all these things that we can be upset about or offended by, but that's really not the point is, what's your mindset towards, especially in the leadership realm, What's your mindset towards moving forward, not living in the past, not spending too much time wondering why we're having twins. Let's get about fixing up the nursery and finding what we need to adjust in our lives to be successful. And I think that translates to business pretty, pretty readily. For sure. So your twins are 22, both of them? Yes. Actually, that's so awesome. Both that's of them. Awesome, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story because I, I have to tell you, they're boy, girl, twins. And when they were babies, my wife wanted to make sure everybody knew they were boy-girl twins. So the girl was always in pink, pink blanket, mm-hmm. pink, pink hats, pink coat, pink everything. The boy was everything blue. We were in the grocery store one day. These twins are in a twin stroller dressed in pink and blue. And a an acquaintance registered nurse friend of ours, oh, these are the twins. Yeah. And she goes, oh, they're twins. Yes, they are. And she goes, are they identical? No, they're boy-girl. <laughs> they're dressed, they're dressed, they're dressed in <laughs> Boy, girl, she goes, and she looked right at me and said, and they're not identical twins. (laughs) No, they're not. They're twins, but no. One has a stem of the apple. Anyway, that's just a a quick story that you can become anything, even if you're not qualified. So, Uh, oh my gosh. Okay. Jeff Geyer, non-identical twin. My younger, my twin sister, I call her my younger sister because I was born nine minutes and 45 seconds earlier than her. Every single time when I tell people I have a twin sister, they always ask, are you identical? It's just dumbfounding. I'm like, yeah, you should see her beard. It's incredible. <laughs> I don't know what it has to do with business, but yeah, it's when we say twin, everybody thinks it's identical and that they are identical, except one of them is a boy and the other one's a girl. And they don't look oh alike, God. but other than that, they're, yeah. You know, and, and one has a stem on the apple and the other one doesn't. So. <laughs> exactly. There's all kinds of things, right? Oh my uh, 
the common sense of common sense. Ain't so common. <laughs> Ain't so common. That's another the episode. I can make can you guys know I can, I can stretch a metaphor. What? How many times have you been in a business meeting or a conversation and somebody asked a question, not out of naivete, but out of almost willful ignorance that is just so completely ridiculous that you can't hardly move forward. And I mentioned this because people asking you if boy girl identical twins, they don't know what they're talking about, but they want to act like they're engaged. And so we see that in business and it wrecks things. And so yeah. we, we do talk about getting back to normal. And if you don't change your point of view to understand that you don't understand, you can't ask the right questions. And so you ask questions that just log things down and you can't move forward effectively. I thought they were just stupid. <laughs> Sometimes that's the case. Sorry. That's the, uh, yeah, there's no stupid questions. Yeah. Stupid people who ask questions. That's right. So as we move ahead, and of course, we're not calling anybody stupid. We're just being silly and moving toward another piece of this puzzle, which is... As he's looking at me. Big event, something happens, disruption. And then after that, you yourself as a leader and or your team have to, as one of my friends from the military says, you just have to embrace the suck. So I'm going to turn to Honorary and Geoff. When have you been in a situation where you're like, okay, this does suck. Grab hold of it and let's do this. Well, I would say that some of those meetings where people are asking stupid questions would definitely be embracing the suck. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Or, it's, or, or you're at a meeting and it's time to go. You're over time. And the presenter says, are there any questions? Oh, yeah. And <laughs> everybody's, no, absolutely not. And there's one jack wagon in the back who goes, I got a question. And then everybody throws pencils or sharp objects at them because, yeah, because no, there are no, there's no, there's nothing that you can ask that is worthy at this moment. It's time to get out of here. But yeah, embracing the suck is, it's again, it comes down to what Jeff Geyer said earlier is that mindset of being willing to do the hard things. And I've been a part of a lot of different teams in a lot of different industries. A lot of people called them a starter jobs. I was a glutton for punishment. And so I had to find out that there were about a, hundred different jobs that I didn't want to do for the rest of my life. But I can tell you that out of those jobs, many of them were exceedingly challenging, not necessarily mentally. A lot of them were physically, um, that even though the job sucked, it was like, there were some terrible jobs, just awful. But the people that I worked with, the relationship that we had made it easier to do the job because it was still enjoyable to show up, to see the people and to do something that really sucked together. And so I think that mindset, if you can get your team to the point where they might, they might have a terrible project or something to do that they're going to have to pull an all nighter. And the leader says, all right, we're, we've got to get this done. It's got to be out tomorrow. And it's all hands on deck. I'm going to get some pizza and some soda, and we're going to work all night on this thing. I can guarantee that if the team, if the project gets done, they might not remember what the project is, but they will remember that night. They will remember the leadership. They will remember the camaraderie that they built through that experience because it sucked. Yeah. And they will actually look back on it fondly because of the people that were around them. So I think part of it, hopefully they would react fondly or remember fondly, but there's that aspect of getting the people on board, getting the people going in the same direction. And Sometimes it, you have to have that adversity to really, truly build a team. If it, everything is just smooth sailing and super easy all the time, you're not going to have much resilience when you actually hit a decent problem. And so you have to have that struggle in order to build resilience, to build that mindset. And it doesn't necessarily have to be in the job site itself. It can be done outside. As long as the team is gelling and they are working together and they come up against challenges and succeed, even when they fail, 
that still develops that mindset of we can do hard stuff. So embrace the, embrace the suck, do hard stuff so that you can actually make it through other obstacles. And that's how we create strong human beings and strong teams. In my mind, I'm hearing or imagining maybe two scenarios. One is the crisis happens. We've got to respond. Like you said, all hands on deck. And the other one is the fabricated situation. Now I don't mean fabricated like we may have a crisis, but a good scheduled plan team builder like you do. If a leader says, hey, we need them to bring people together. We need to have a, and they manufacture a crisis to get there. That's just going to knock trust out of the water. Exactly. So I, I think anybody who's uh, got a manager who's done that kind of thing, they know it's just a big play acting pile of nonsense. Yeah. And your staff yes. will see right through that too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yep. And the next oh, time you actually need something, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. You're SOL. Y- y- y'all know that I'm from the flyover country. We have some kind of, what? Kind of, yeah, kind of <laughs> unique sayings in our hills and hollers out here. One of like them that? That, that my husband. <laughs> What's a holler? <laughs> I ain't no holler back girl. That's what it is. I'm just saying. Knows that. <laughs> Cause she ain't, Myra ain't no holler back girl. <laughs> but, but one that my husband, my husband uses a lot is it's a lot easier oh. if you plow around the stump and, and don't make the, don't make a problem that, Number one can be a can be you can go round it, and it's and that really to me is a lot about mindset because he's always reminding me when I'm popping off about something. It's a lot easier if you just plow around the stump, but that one's true. Type and smoke it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to you were going to talk about you and your husband's pet names and things like that. I was going to this is going to go left really real quick. <laughs> All right, Conroy, if you would can you tell me about a story when you or your team had to embrace the stuck? No. Yeah, no. Always colorful commentary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The first thing I think of when it comes to embracing the suck as a leader of a team of people is what kind of relationship do you have with those people? You've got to have a really strong, trusting relationship with the people in order to take on the change. Eons ago, when I worked for the Boy Scouts, the, there was an old joke of 30, what's it, 31 days in December, except for in the Boy Scouts, then there's 38 days or 39 days because the Boy Scouts were all about numbers. And you had to have your membership numbers in by the end of the year. And I worked for a guy and this was in a city. So they're like a big city. So there was like 27 of us. We called it the bullpen. It was a big room of partitions. It looked like a rat's maze, but we called it the bullpen because people were lifted out of there and put into leadership positions and they got their own mm-hmm. private office. Anyway, we worked for a guy that was a high D personality, like high D, no I, no S, no C, all D just in, in every bit of it. And he was about five feet tall, little Napoleon syndrome going on there. But we were not allowed to go home on the, on New Year's Eve until the council had reached its numbers. So we'd be working until seven, eight, nine, ten 10 o'clock at night on New Year's Eve. So never really did we have a New Year's Eve party. But the coolest thing was there were 27 of us in that bullpen. And some of us had made our year end goals. Some of us were there. We made, I made my numbers. A few other people had made their numbers. And what we did is that we came together as a group and helped everyone else out. So I would run over to the cubicle next to me and talk to Scott and say, where are you at? He goes, I need a hundred kids or I need some, I'm 70 kids short. And I'm like, okay. So then I would take his list and start working his list and start making the calls and start contacting people. And every, the, 
And what's really funny is I still have a handful of friends back from the olden days, back in those days, and we still talk about it. We made our goal. It may have been nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night where we popped the champagne and we got to go home. And I wasn't really interested in celebrating New Year's Eve because I was so freaking tired. But it was, I did that for in Portland, sorry, Portland <laughs> for eight years in Portland. It was that camaraderie, teamwork, team building, and it really brought us, the 27 of us together. And nobody left. I can honest to God say that none, nobody in the 27 said, I got my numbers, I'm out of here. It was never that way. It was council or bust. We got to get the council over. Let's all work together. So at the end of the evening, vast majority of us made our goals. The council made the goals and the ones that didn't, they were still working and a handful of people would still stick around and help them out. But it was, it all comes down to the relationship. The 27 of us were really good friends. We were as diverse as the United Nations, but uh, it was a team building experience and it, it was great. And we did that every year. It was the joke of don't plan on doing anything for New Year's Eve until the council's, <laughs> until the council's over. So we worked like hell until the council would get over. So it's all about relationship. It's all about the relationship and getting everyone else to buy in and build the excitement and get everyone bought into, to, to achieve that goal. And we were able to do it, but it's, if you've got a bad relationship with people, no one's going to help you. Mm -hmm. So you got the 27 who come together and they're yeah. pushing through arm in arm, doing their thing. Yeah. What was the group's general disposition toward your Napoleonic leader? Not good. He was an interesting dude anyway. He was a high D and he took great pride in that. And unfortunately the bullpen was pretty much made up of high I's and high D's are uh, get along well anyway. It, it, the look on him, it was a room full of people of, you, you want the council to be over, hold my beer. Right. We're going to do this right now. And yeah. uh, we made phone calls and we, we had to go pick up applications. We jumped in the car and we ran all over Portland to go pick up applications just to prove that we could do it. There was also fear. There was also the fear factor sure. because the, they're called scout executives or the CEO was a disciplinarian and nobody wanted the wrath mm -hmm. of him. So it was hold my beer because we're all going to get into this together. We want to have mm -hmm. a good, we want to have a, be a good council and we want to reach our goal, but right. we're feeling, to, feeling towards the CEO. Hold my beer. So somebody with a bigger brain than mine, who's the coach, football coach? I'm thinking George Hallis, but I might be wrong. The whole team hates me, but at least they're doing something together. Yeah, probably Hallis. Which coach was that? Yeah. Probably. So that's what I'm hearing when I hear your story. You got to yeah. oh, could be, yeah. I hear your story about people coming together, absent leadership, or mm -hmm. in spite of lack of it. It's sure. just the, yeah, fine, we're going to do this thing. Regardless, if you beat a jerk face. We know what to do. We're going to get it done because we support each other. What's the saying in the absence of leadership, someone, something will step forward. And that's exactly what happened. The executives in that bullpen that were more experienced than the younger guys were the leaders. They were, they were the unofficial leaders. We're going to move into a bit of a fruit basket upset. And this conversation is about getting back to normal. And we've somewhat established that there is no going back. So when does the change start to become Normal. When people talk about in the current situation, the new normal, well, that's okay. But how do you know you're there? So in your experience, dear friend, when have you gone through a transition, a disruption, at some point realized this is just the course of doing business now? I would say that was probably, we can edit that little blank there. <laughs> I would say that the, when it becomes normal is when people accept it, move on, and it's the day-to-day -day operations are back to, to, to normal to, for lack of a better word. So when people are going, when their habits have changed so that it now is just the things that they do on a daily basis, 
It's not exceptional. It's not out of the ordinary. It just is. It's just, it's the part of daily doing business, just the way it is. And that's, you've made it back to normal. That's, and even if it's the new normal, it's still normal. Especially when you're successful, when you're successful, this is the way we're doing now. This is just the way it is because it works. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I would would tell you, I'm sorry, Dr. Sam. I would say normal brings up two things to my mind. Normal sometimes I think can be defined as things are static. They're just the way they are. And so we kind of like that. But to me, my normal is continually moving forward. It's not necessarily getting to a spot. It's about being better, being smarter, applying what I've learned, all that kind of stuff. It's not, it's not about um, perfection or reaching a state of normalcy. To me, it, it, the game is about progressing. And then we can talk about how fast or slower or those kind of things, but so to me, my normal is progress, not perfection or not just stagnant, just standing still. And Dr. Sam, I think we have to remember that, especially if, when you apply it to COVID or some of the recent stuff that's been going on, is when people lose their normal, there's a grieving process. And mm-hmm. they're going, it's almost predictable what you go through. And if the leaders can understand that, that there's going to be anger, there's going to be denial, there's going to be, and help them through to acceptance. And that's when they step over to the threshold to, to, to opening up to new possibilities. But nine times out of 10, you're going to, they're going to go through that. And by telling them, just suck it up, embrace the suck. Not my favorite saying, but I understand wh- where you're coming from with it. But it there is a process, an emotional process of letting go what was familiar and you can count on and stepping into the unknown. Scary. And there people are going to take it. Uh, some people like, like Jeff, he's got a completely different mindset on it. I'm a routine person. I don't like my routines being interrupted. And I have to get used to it now, depending on the level of if I'm going to grieve too long or hard about it. But I just, I have seen that some people never get over it. They never get over it and they live in blame and they want to be a victim because that's the only way they know to cope with it. You know, the embrace is stuck. I'm glad you brought that up because some of our listeners may not be familiar with that phrase and what I hear and what I've heard of you is not a matter of acquiescing or even saying it sucks and will always suck. It's a matter of this change is bad and it's frustrating and annoying and okay, so we're going to embrace it. And we've said on this series before, what can you do? What are my options? I'm going to embrace it and suck. Okay, fine. It sucks. So how do we move forward in a positive, meaningful way? And you mentioned some of those stages of transition. One thing that I didn't quite mention before popped in and out of my brain here, when people get hurt physically. And they curse out loud. It helps them feel better. There's been studies about it. That cursing, that letting out helps. So when people have that big disruption and they get angry and testy and ornery for a little bit, it might help. And then get to a place where it feels like, okay, now I can move forward with some intentionality. So now finally to the point of how it's normal. I didn't think real hard about it until I formulated the question. But I recall being at my former employer's plural. And yeah, those days when things would calm down, 
and you're just chatting and either you yourself or somebody else says, remember that time when, and brings up some dramatic, horribly upsetting situation that changed things. And he reminisced about that. That's the time to meet it. Now you're in the new normal because the thing that was so bad is now a memory that you've incorporated and ran with, and now it's just part of operating procedure. This is how we do it now. And we could think about all kinds of transitions over time that's happened with, including technology, email, faxes, all that stuff. It's, oh my God, it's such a big difference. And now it's the old hat. It's just how you do business. It sneaks up. You know, I don't, I wouldn't suggest that you say one day, oop, hey, guess what? Now it's normal. Of course not. But there will be a time you go, oh yeah, I remember when this was different and now this is how we do it. So as we move forward, I have one more pithy thing to, to share, but I want to ask the group, what kinds of stories or lessons had you experienced going through a change where the normal was then moved on you and that the, I hate to say it again, but the new normal, once you reflect on it, you're like, wow, this is actually better despite the pain we went through to get here. I've talked a lot today, but I'm going to talk some more. Would be like, fly. <laughs> I would not be where I am today if I hadn't had a really unfortunate series of events and that unfortunate series of events, because I resisted, because I tried to plow over top of the stump or plow the stump out lasted two full years. And at the, and I look back over it, it, I would not be doing what I love right now. Had I not gone through that, I wouldn't have gotten the growth that I've gotten or the insight into other people's struggles. So I'll shut up now. No, it's all good. I agree How about with that. Jeff? I agree with that totally, Myra, that we are in large part, maybe not 100%, but in large part, we are exactly where we are today because of the experiences we've gone through and the decisions we've made and the results of those decisions. And with the own it mentality, without a victim mentality, then it's really easy for me to make the jump that if I don't like where I'm at, or I don't like where the company I'm leading's at, or I don't like my relationship with this person or that person or this group of people, then it's up to me to change it. And if I make different decisions and therefore have different outcomes and therefore have um, different experiences, I will be in a different place. And yeah, I, I agree with you totally, Myra. Me too, Myra. <laughs> It's a love fest. Yeah. Jeff, you have another comment you care to share? I was going to say, not me. I vehemently disagree. But then I was like, <laughs> no, I actually agree too. So never mind. <laughs> Although it's funny because I know it's what Jeff said was that mindset and changing things is absolutely brilliant. I met a speaker at a conference and she was military. She, it was a, a semi, like a, an evening event. So she's in formal attire and I looked down and she's wearing combat boots. And she was in the military and I said, okay, I have to ask, what are the combat boots for? And she says, it's always a reminder. And I was like, a reminder of what? And she's like, no matter how hard things are, if you're alive on the other side, you still have hope. And I said, oh, that's interesting. And so we started brainstorming and she came up with the, yeah, but did you die? That was her mindset was like, yeah, that sucked. It was really hard, but did you die? No, right. great. Then get over it and let's go. And that became her title keynote. Did you die? But did you die? And it's, I know it's a hard, it's a really, it's an interesting, almost throwaway kind of a thing in terms of like you, 
there's a mental process and some people get there a lot quicker. Some people need to have that, the six stages of grief, right? Before they can go. And some people move through it in 24 hours or less. So that, that mindset piece and I think the people that you have supporting you through that process there you go. to, to get through it, to say that, that was a terrible, like that, what happened was absolutely horrible. And now we're on the other side and now we can move forward and we can be better because of it, because now we know how to better support each other, how to better do business, how to communicate more effectively. But again, that's a mindset. And if you have somebody that says, nope, I'm going to wallow in victim mode, then maybe that person's not the right person to be on the team, or maybe they are, and they just need more time to grieve. Well, I don't know. That's, that could be a whole other episode. <laughs> Everybody needs a pooper and you're in. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh. oh, golly. Conrad, would you like the floor for a minute? No, I was just going to say, when you walk into a room and every room has a jerk in it, and if you're trying to find the jerk in the room and you can't find it, maybe you're the jerk. No, <laughs> I agree with what McLaughlin said, so. Some people brighten the room when they walk in. Somebody brighten the room when they walk out. Exactly. Well, and the takeaway, I think that's all true, but hopefully our listeners aren't missing this. The takeaway is you want to be the person that brightens the room when you walk in. And if you're not, or if you feel like you're not, or you feel like you need to do something better, then here's the plug. Call one of us, email one of us, ask us at leadershipbs.co, and we'll help you. If you want to be in a different place, you have to make different decisions. And to make different decisions, you can't use the same mindset that you had to make the decisions you're currently making. And that almost always takes help from somebody like us to get you to where you want to go. Mm -hmm. That's right. And to that point, we want to hear your story. And we have our presence on Facebook and on LinkedIn. Search us up, No More Leadership BS, and tell us your story of change, your transition the thing that was just horrible, ugly, nasty that showed up at your doorstep and after managing it, turned out to be pretty good. We want to hear your tales, of course. And I want to be, like I said, cute and pithy closing this thing out. And people are concerned about going back to normal, right? They just want to go back to normal. What's the new normal? How's it going to work? And it's an old adage, change is the only constant. And change is normal. There's always going to be change no matter what. Because like I said in the beginning, Unless you have a time machine, if you do, DM me. If you don't, like the rest of us, then we just have to proceed. And normal is proceeding through change, transition, joys, frustrations, and learning through it, having resilience, and coming out to the other side, being wiser because of it. So with <laughs> if that, you have a time machine, yeah. if you have a time machine, I'm going to ask you to go back to 1985 and pick me up. <laughs> I well, I said DM board, me, man. but you have to DM me. Just show up. Just, yeah, yeah, makes sense. I know you weren't fight. gone, Roy, but I got different. I, I'd make a couple of different decisions. I don't regret it, but I'd make a couple different. So I'll be waiting for you in the corner of Main and Third, <laughs> <laughs> right next to the clock tower. Got gotcha. you. That's it. <laughs> All right, friends. It's been another wonderful episode talking about the new normal, the old normal, and what is normal. It's just change, a transition, and learning through it being better as a result. So leaders, let's tell us your stories one more time. It's on Facebook and LinkedIn. No more leadership BS. And that's going to be a wrap for us. Everybody, thanks for listening. Team, excellent work. Let's see you out. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you to great. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the No Leadership BS podcast. If you have any stories, questions, or comments you would like to share with us, please email us at askus at leadershipbs.co. That's 
askus at leadershipbs.co. Don't forget to give us a five-star review so we can reach more people. Thank you so much, and tune in next time. We'll see you then.